This week's episode of Lawyer Up is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash lawyer up. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Foster, it is showtime. Yes, finally showtime. Jackie Hearn, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely great. You know what? I'm doing even better because we have with us today Roberto Villegas. Roberto, how are you? Oh, uh, doing good. So, so we're here to talk about, about House of Cards, right? I mean, that's usually what, what you and I do, Jackie. We talk uh, House of Cards. Uh, but this is well, Where I, am I? Hold on. What are you doing here, Rick? Well, I just... I don't know. I, I I always get my schedule screwed up. Uh, you know, so it's. Well, I, I, knew, I knew there was something going on. I knew something was wrong. No, seriously, but, how's it going, you two? Fantastic. Today we are here to talk about episode three, Nacho, uh, for Better Call Saul, and we're gonna start off with Jackie, kind of uh, telling us her number one thing about uh, the episode. That what she thought. You know, I think that. It was really hard. It's been really hard to pick a top five or a top two or a top number one. But I think that what was very important about this episode is that we finally got that backstory of Mike. And again, for the listeners, uh, we don't necessarily really spoil Breaking Bad. We try to wait until the very end so we can tell you, like, well, this is very Breaking Bad spoiler-like. But we finally get Mike's real backstory in this show. Um, and, and, and again, you know, it goes from him being Mike being the, the attendant of the parking lot to something else. And it's, it, it, we can kind of see now how this relationship between Jimmy and, uh, Mike is going to take place. What'd you guys think of Mike coming in? Um, I, I think it's great. Uh, I know my big problem over the double premiere was Mike was just kind of there uh, doing things. And I just think introducing his Billy police cop backstory that has been mentioned in, in Breaking Bad, but it's very clear now on what he thinks of uh, Jimmy. And it's almost kind of like a buddy comedy, uh, a buddy cop comedy type thing. Very a uh, weird uh, type of dynamic. But Roberto, what do you think? You know, I, I actually enjoyed that because uh, I was with you there, Rick. I almost thought that Mike was just sort of this, oh, look, we have a, a character from Breaking Bad. You remember that show, right? The one we're linked to, remember? Look, he's he's here too. It almost felt like he was sort of the, the token consisting character beyond, of course, uh, Saul or, or Jimmy, I should say, because that's, that's his real name. Um but I did enjoy all that coming back, and I enjoyed kind of seeing him get that moment of realization of, wait a minute, I'm not going to press charges because actually I believe you. That is very possible, and it's really cool to see that moment happen. I never had a problem with the parking lot stuff so much because I, I felt like I just trust and knew all of the actors, all of the creators, all of the writers enough to know that what, what, whatever direction they're taking us in, I'm going to love it. But I know that some people who are starting off never watching Breaking Bad, never having those feelings, uh, not really, you know, trusting Bob Odenkirk so much may not have felt that. But, you know, one of I think one of my favorite parts of this entire show was that that time when uh, he was leaving the parking lot with Mike and he's got to rush over to the Kettleman's. And he only has five stamps. So Mike tells him, well, it's going to be $9. And he's like, he on Jimmy only has $5 in that car and his pockets and everything. And I, that's what I love about Jimmy. I'm really loving this character as this downtrodden attorney who's really trying to make it. Who, you know, when, you, when we think of attorneys, we think that they're very successful. But this guy is really struggling along with his brown shoes and black suit that don't match. I, I, I just absolutely love every part of it. Well, it makes me wonder how all of that will, will kind of resolve into stuff. Because I think that's like for me, if I were to say like my favorite moment of this episode, uh, it might have actually been that parking attendant scene. It might have been the 
the just sort of reaching over, hitting the button, and just, you know, <laughs> screw you, old man. It was such a great moment. Uh, one, because it, it really, like, I had not really, you know, you might have had trust in, in everything. Not saying that I didn't love Breaking Bad. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Sure. But for me, when they were announcing that they were doing this comedy, that it was almost, this could explode on the landing, you know, right on the landing, on the launch pad, so to speak. And I, I could not fathom how you would take a very, very, very dark show like Breaking Bad. Right, right. And, you, and take even just this one, you know, uh, character element and still play it safe and, 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 you know, respect the world of Breaking Bad, you know. But, you know, I've enjoyed it for sure and, and totally thought that that would have been uh, my, my greatest moment. Like, well, like, just because I think that's the interaction I look forward to now more is the interaction between uh, Jimmy and Mike. Um, just mm-hmm. because I, I I like the idea of having this like, just asshole of a parking attendant, just like you need to get your stickers validated, and just doesn't give a damn. Will not will not take you know Jimmy's shit for whatever it matters. Um, and I, I love that. It's 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 fun because you'll see him just every time. He's just like apparently he didn't. Apparently he never gets the right amount of stickers. I don't understand why. I don't understand how how that's possible. Why he only gets five or anything like that. But that's always a running gag. Uh, and I like that they're at least now in this episode, especially because the other two is like, oh, it's the joke again. They're now mm-hmm. adding a little bit more character to Mike. Uh, absolutely. Uh, actually, do you listen to, and if our vi- listeners do not listen to it, if there's one Better Call Saul podcast that you should listen to, it's the Better Call Saul Insider with Kelly Dixon, who's an, an editor for the show. And she did a wonderful job last time with Breaking Bad. But uh, the the last episode, and I won't spoil too much of that, but Vince Gilligan was on and he's, he mentioned about the thing with Jimmy coming through that parking lot where he only has five stamps and he needs nine. Uh, Vince Gilligan said, you know, I'm, I'm with, uh, Mike on this. I mean, for fuck's sake, get the the nine stamps. (laughs) I mean, what is it with this guy that he can't get the stamps? Exactly. It's not not that hard and it's not like he has been reminded constantly of, of these stamps. Uh, you know, (laughs) it's easy to take a minute or two out of your day. Uh, especially. I want to believe that the clerk doesn't give him the stamps. That's what I want to believe. That, that, right. that Clark purposely uh, fucks with him and doesn't give give him the stamps. I want to believe all that. I want to believe that this is that Jimmy is just like yes. I've tried this 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 just chick will not give me the damn stamps. Just let me pass. For God's sakes, it's just freaking stamps. I lo- I love that idea. I love that idea because I I I feel I kind of feel so close to Jimmy like I I I I I see a lot of myself in him where he would just kind of go, just throw his hands up about the stamps and then just try it with the next person and see if he can get through, but never learn his lessons and take the time to do it right. You know, like I'm, I just give up. I give up. I don't want confrontation. So I just you know try to go through with the things the way they are. Yeah, and and it is possible that he has had just a, a difficulty of doing this. I mean, it alludes back to the first episode where uh, he's if he's dealing with the that clerk lady um, about getting paid seven hundred dollars per person instead of per case, and if she's the one dealing out with the stamps, then obviously there you know there's some sort of a deleted team more that we we kind of need to see uh, yeah. you know, down in the Blu-ray release. So, what's up next? Uh, let's talk about um, uh, another thing that kind of uh, popped up on on my radar uh, that was very enjoyable was Jimmy's kind of confidence. Uh, I mean, he's in this dump of an office. It seems like the only time he gets work done is the bathroom. Uh, the bathroom is uh, almost like his confidence booster. It's it's absolutely great just to see him try and work deals when uh, people are taking a leak and everything like that. Hey, you should have seen me five minutes before this podcast. I was in the bathroom right in front of the mirror talking to myself. Okay, I'm going to start the show like this. Pulling the, pulling the Beetlejuice moment. <laughs> and exactly. The, the first episode, I mean, before he even gets into the courtroom, he's talking to himself and building himself up with confidence. And it... It seems like the only time he almost believes that he's a lawyer is in the bathroom, and, and that's where he kind of has his uh, his uh, max success rate uh, of 
getting deals done and and uh, just prepping himself and everything. And I mean, going back to the first episode where he's doing his hair and you know it's showtime and every time and and uh, it's he's now getting this confidence of uh, yeah I'm really a lawyer and that is uh, what I want to do and it's it's great that we're seeing Jimmy just be this kind of bubbling buffoon lawyer uh, in becoming Saul uh, evolutionizing into Saul that's not a word but well, it's... no, but he he is definitely evolving into Saul. I mean, that's that's the one thing I think Jimmy has going for him is that he's a fast talker. Uh, and this episode shows a lot of that, where he's sort of making deals in the bathroom and kind of just pestering people as as, as much as he can, and that he's you know just desperate to make his name, however that is. And it's definitely more you know I'll, you know to kind of uh, go back of an episode just to sort of say that where else you see it is the episode two. And that whole thing. So I, I can definitely see how he is evolving into this persona of Saul Goodman. Because obviously Jimmy, as, as it stands now, is not Saul Goodman. He's not this confident sort of um, character. You know, Saul Goodman is, you know, you know, I remember I think it was in Breaking Bad. He said he, he changed his name to, to, you know, make it sound like he's like one of the tribe, you know, of, of essentially a Jewish name to kind of give that illusion. Um, Saul Goodman is the persona of, of Jimmy, the, 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 the person he imagines what a lawyer should sound like and a lawyer should talk like and how a lawyer should act. And it's very apparent that whenever you see him sort of trying to be a lawyer, he's channeling that voice. Now, now before we move on, do you think, obviously later down the line, he becomes the criminal, criminal lawyer. Now, do you think he right now in this kind of timeline, do you think he's trying to be this good lawyer and wants to do good for the community and everything like that? I think he is honestly he is not he is not Saul Goodman yet. He has not he still has for lack of better words a little bit of good in him. Uh you know, it's very apparent when he's trying to warn the um oh, what's the couple's name? The Kettlemans. The Kettlemans. You know, trying to warn about about Nacho coming in and 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 robbing them and things like that. He still has this naive he still hasn't quite you know, he hasn't had his sort of Breaking Bad moment yet. He hasn't had the moment where he, he descends into whatever he descends into and becomes whatever it becomes uh, because this is, you know, and it's it's very apparent, you know, especially the first episode of, it of that he's not there because the opening episode opens up with, you know, Saul Goodman, you know, post Breaking Bad in, you know, the Cinnabon and it's all black and white and he puts his VHS player, uh, a VHS tape of all of his sort of commercials and things like that. So it's apparent he hasn't made it there yet. Even in episode three, I'm super curious when that moment's going to happen. Uh, because if you are familiar with Breaking Bad, you know that mo moment's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I do think that Jimmy is a good person. I do see that, and I think that he is a good person at this time. Because anybody who has finished law school, gotten their, passed the bar, has their degree, understands that you... The, the entire job is about manipulating the law in order to win your case, whatever side you're on. So he is that kind of person right now, although he was slipping Jimmy originally. I feel like he's the kind of person that doesn't mind, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, but he doesn't mind stealing, taking from the rich in order to help whatever situation uh but i because he's the kind of person who doesn't have shoes that match his suit and he doesn't have nine bucks on him in his car and he drives a you know a beat up uh lemon uh but but i i think that at some point i think the story of better call saul we're going to see that point where he becomes disillusioned with this whole law system and 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 just starts helping anybody out um you know uh, helping out the the type of Nacho and uh, Tuco and and you know in the future we may see Gus or other people um, that that you know, down the line. Before we jump back to the beginning, does uh, Saul Goodman get the Kettlemans to sign uh, to have him represent them? Yes, Saul Goodman would have totally got the Kettlemans to sign. Saul Goodman would have had that because he would okay. have had. At that point in time, commercials and ad time and been this known entity. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy is not known in any way, shape, or form. 
he is not a no. You know, McGill is 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 known as part of another thing. In fact, there's that moment. I don't know if it's episode two or one or what. Forgot where they point out the whole. Uh, don't you want to make your own name and 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 you know not ride on 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 you know my coattails. You know, my, his brother's coattails essentially, who has some weird electromagnetism disease. And so he. At this point, no, dear Lord, no. But as, as Saul Goodman, heck yes, of course, because he it would, he would have had the confidence, he would have had the name, he would have had it, because he almost got it. He almost got it at that point. But because he wasn't known, that's where they said let's sleep on it, because then they went to the more the bigger firm and the well, you know, the better known firm to do the exact same thing. You know, uh, Jimmy convinced the, the convinced them that they needed a lawyer. He just couldn't close the deal. There's there's a lot of pay phones. There are cell phones. There are a lot of calls being made, uh, voicemails that are not received or received in this episode. And, you know, we the, the intro part, uh, well, that that's kind of a, another separate story where uh, Chuck shows up and you see him go, coming to visit uh, Jimmy and he drops off his... Um, his cell phone and it's one of those real large devices. And for a second, I thought, well, this obviously is poor Jimmy's cell phone <laughs> because he's so poor. His brother back in the, apparently I, I found out later, this is circa 1992 where, uh, Chuck visits Jimmy in jail in the, in the, the foreshadow or the, you know, the, um, the flashback that you see of their life, uh, before the show starts. But later, uh, Jimmy has to go to a payphone to call Nacho, and he's running to all these payphones. And and I mean, it, maybe he's doing that in the most part because he doesn't want to call Trace to his number at his office in the nail salon. I I don't know. He's kind of operating uh maybe a little five or ten years behind everyone else at this point, even though this is circa two thousand five. Um. But, you know, so there's that, that scene where he decides he's going to make a phone call. And at very first, you see him look, open up the matchbook and you see him looking at Nacho's number. And then he picks up a phone and he starts to call. And you think he's calling Nacho, but he ends up calling Kim and waking her up. And she's like, you're, you know, you're not going to do that sex robot voice. And I love it because, like, we realize that the sex robot voice has something to do with the paper tube. And I, I know that audio is listeners can't see this, but I went ahead and made a little paper roll, uh, tool thing. And I don't know that you can hear me very good. Does this work? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, because just even doing through, through this, I could barely kind of understand. So I'm really excited. I'm going to use this like all the time and prank call people. It, it it was kind of a very phone heavy episode almost. Uh, what did you okay? And well, here's the thing: what did you think about with him leaving those messages? You know, where he kept leaving the message for Nacho. Very comedy uh, drama uh, centric almost. Uh, just the things that he was saying of just like, hey, you know, the thing with the thing. Just call me back at this yeah. number. Uh, uh, you might be calling back right now. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll just gotta go. You know, it it was almost like uh, somebody trying to uh, follow up on a first date type thing. He was like a little kid doing this, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously his first rodeo in uh, dealing with a lawyer type stuff by himself because he's always had that firm to to be his uh, safety net, and this is kind of a first outing by himself. Like you said, he's operating a couple years behind, not having a cell phone. Uh, Technically, he doesn't even know who he is because at any point uh, they could throw in a cease and desist letter on using. Yeah, I would very much put well, it. Well, he has a cell phone, um, but I think he was using the payphone mainly because he didn't want it ever being tracked. That was his one. The one thing that I I I, I liked about that scene is because essentially it wasn't so much that it was his first time being a lawyer. Yes, that factored into it, but. Is this his first time dealing with, uh, for lack of better words, psychopaths? I mean, ep, ep, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if we're going to talk about what got us into the show or what got me into the show, but what hooked me after episode one was seeing Tuco come back uh, because I enjoyed him so much as a character, as a sort of just crazy, psychotic guy. And here is Nacho, the more level-headed, but still part of these insane guys and still dealing with that. So you have... You have in Bob, you know Bob Oden. Oh, sorry, Bob Oden. Uh, in Jimmy's mind, just all these things that could potentially happen 
to these this poor innocent family. Just like, look, uh, I know you're there. Just, 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 just tell me they're alive, please, because you almost, you know, there are some crazy things going on in that that area. And I love the way he tries to warn them, and then he just kind of like. Give, throws the device down and just is like, you're in danger, bye! It just sounded so much like Odenkirk's comedy, even though I know he's not the one writing this. I still, like, see his character come through, and I love it. Now, with, with that scene, do you think with the Kettlemans leaving, uh, I mean, uh, if you've watched the episode, you know that uh, they, they bolt and they fake a kid, they stage a kidnapping by themselves. Did you think that was always a plan? It was always a contingency, uh, and it's very apparent as they get to the last part, the end of the episode, that that was always a contingency for them. I think it definitely accelerated a bit more, um, because who knows if, if that had happened, but I think faking a kidnapping, if all else had failed, you know, if, if they had lost a case or something like that, that was definitely a contingency for those guys. It, it was very, it was very cute to find them camping and, uh. And, and singing those camp songs, uh, but uh, we can talk more about that later. But uh, yeah, I I I I thought that they would they definitely would not have hit the road if it wasn't for Jimmy's call. So Jimmy like screws over Nacho in that regard, but he's also trying desperately to save these people's lives, and you can just tell he's completely torn. And then once he gets Nacho in that situation where he's, you know, being charged for an apparent kidnapping that they can't prove happened, uh, then he tries as hard as he can to defend Nacho. So it, it, he, he, you can, he, this is a very torn man on, you know, screwing up and wanting to do right. I mean, whether it's with his brother, where he screwed up, he, he had to utilize his brother as an attorney. His brother said, don't do this again. And he promised him he would change. And so it's like, I, I you can, you can really sense Jimmy's conflict, inner conflict with hurting other people and wanting to do right on his own. This to me kind of stood out as a better call Saul SVU. Uh, it really played out like a, a law and order episode of like, Hey, we need to find like, we of need who to done it. Who done it exactly? Uh, I mean, first off, starts off with uh, Jimmy being put into jail uh, for being a sex offender. We don't know what sex offender things are that he did. Uh, it could have been a mistake, sex offender thing, or he did something really sex offenderish. Uh, but it, it just starting off with that, it was very. Then it started getting into the where are the Kettlemans? Who done it? Uh, who kidnapped him? It was this guy, uh, or was it, uh, or is it a different thing? So it was very Law and Order esque, which is very, um, very weird in the Breaking Bad universe to me, because I don't think there has been some sort of like Who Done It episode, uh, from my recollection, if that makes any sense. Because I mean, the closest one it would be, I would say, towards the end of the series where. Uh, people are chasing other people around. <laughs> that again, I won't get into that stuff. But I mean, it it was just weird to see the series kind of take a different turn, uh, a different spin. Um, uh, I don't know uh, for you, Roberto, uh, coming into the series. I don't know how well you've done, like you know, whether you avoided spoilers or you know things like that. But um, it seemed like a lot of people thought this was going to be Law and Order esque. Yeah, because I was gonna say that it, that it didn't it, where it you know I mean, I'm, it's funny you mentioned that it was this whole Law and Order SVU episode because that became apparent when they went to the crime scene and Jimmy's like, well, "Where's the doll? Uh, well, what, what, the the doll? There's a doll in the picture. She why is she why was she just miraculously taken out of there? It was like wow, that was a, a court you know a very mo- SVU moment. If you've never seen Monk where he's very OCD and he's just yep. like. Where, you know, where is this thing? You know, and nobody, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. It was very, uh, yeah, he was very Monk-esque OCD of just like, hey, you know, where's the doll? Why why is the doll missing? Definitely felt procedural. And and that's just coming from a guy that watches a ton of uh, of court procedurals and, and laundered SVU without even batting an eyelash. As for the whole Monster of the Week, I, I, was, I wasn't sure where this series was going to go. I don't necessarily know if I like the way that they tend to end episodes, but I understand why they do it. It always seems like it's going to lead into something new. I mean, that's how they end the episode. They always 
cut it as a cliffhanger. I don't know how I feel about that. Now, um, uh, for somebody that hasn't watched House of Cards, and we'll try and keep this minimal, uh, yeah. does this does that show jump cut to to an end of like, oh, I gotta know what happens next, or? Or is it kind of very almost self-contained? But at it's... times, at times it does, and at times it doesn't. Um, I mean, for sure, there are times where it, where it ends with a cliffhanger and leads into the next episode and sort of explains what's going to happen or explains sort of the focus in a very quick way. Definitely in, in in Better Call Saul, it it's doing that every episode where you know episode one ends with Tuco, you know, dr- you know, being revealed. Episode two ends with another kind of just you know solid kind of lead into something else. In episode three, as, as we kind of get to the end. And also leads to something like here's what the next episode is going to talk about. Part of me likes that, understands why you do that as a narrative to keep me, you know, me the audience interested, me the me the watcher interested. It might just be my, me and my now Netflix Hulu kind of binging watching these days that my brain goes. But I want the next episode now, and and I and it's 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 hard to get back into this cycle of oh that's right this is an episodic this is actually going to be yes. a, a ongoing story. You know. Yes, Jackie. Any thoughts on? On uh, just a what seemed like a procedural esque episode. I just think that that you really touched on something there uh, that that it definitely does seem that way. But we are only into episode three. But I was in the camp of people who were not disappointed with episode one. I know some people were because they felt like the story is not going anywhere. But I knew and understood from, I believed I knew and understood from the moment that I heard that the first two episodes would be back to back, that they really had a lot to do to introduce you into the story. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do that with most shows. Most shows can start off on their own with a clean slate, but they really, even though this is a prequel, they didn't have that clean slate. So I knew that there was a lot of that groundwork they had to do. So we've really only seen, have seen one episode, but you're right. If, if they spin off into, let's say another story that the Hamlin law firm, Hamlin McGill law firm handles and Jimmy has some kind of relationship or something to do with that, then yes, I think we're going to fall into that. But I think that the Cattlemen's are and and nacho are the thing for this season and i think it's going i mean if if it's going to mirror breaking bad in any way without spoiling breaking bad for those of you who have not watched it i think that you know we're just going to somewhat kind of resolve some sort of obstacle that's going to move into another one which is only going to show us the progression of uh, uh, this the, or the transition from Jimmy into Saul, mm-hmm. and, and that you perfectly said what I was thinking uh, for describing uh, each season of Breaking Bad without uh, spoiling things. So uh, before we continue, uh, let's thank our sponsor, Audible. And for our listeners of the Lawyer Up podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give. You, yes, you, an opportunity to check out uh, the service. Uh, you guys can give give yourself this trial and see see how you like it. It has over 150,000 titles to pick from. It is books for your ears. So, Jackie, uh, why don't you give us a pick on uh, something? Well, I'm going through the cycle of the, the the great comedians that I love, and absolutely, I need to start with Bob Odenkirk. Uh, last week, I suggested a load of hooey. This week, actually, I I took a drive halfway across the country to Austin, Texas, last year, and the entire way, I listened to this audiobook, which is four hours, three times, and it is Hollywood said no, orphan film scripts bastard scenes and abandoned darlings from the creatives of mr show and it's written by of course bob odenkirk david cross brian posein and he's a contributor uh, but it's also narrated by cross odenkirk posein a lot of the original mr show uh characters are there so this is not just an audiobook where somebody's reading you a chapter by chapter this is an audio comedy it's like an old radio show you hear them act out skits there are multiple characters within each story and a lot of the the same old people that you remember from mr show if those of you if you haven't checked out mr show you should check that out by the way yes and uh my pick is the bro code written by barney stinson narrated by uh, neil patrick harris for those who 
know this is kind of a tie-in book with How I Met Your Mother. And if you've watched How I Met Your Mother, one of the little long gags is the bro code. And the bro code is just a little bond, like almost an agreement between uh, your best friend of things you do and don't do being friends. Uh, whether it's bro does not sleep with another person's ex-bro. So, things like that. So, And it is narrated by Neil Patrick Harris and in the character of Barney Stinson. And the one thing I love about Audible books now is that, uh, and Roberto has a pick as well. Oh, great. Yeah, Roberto, what have you been listening to? Well, see, the thing is, is that I listen to actually a lot of audiobooks. Uh, I've been an Audible customer for a very long time, and it's always hard for me to look through my library of like, what should I recommend? What should I do? And because I can't, I can't split, you know, I'm, I'm not, sol- you know, I can't make the, the, the you know baby cut in half. I can't make the judgment. I'm just going to give you two picks. So you, the audience, you, the listener, will have to pick one. And if you really, really love the service, then buy the second book uh, or sign up and get your credit and all that fun jazz. Uh, the first book I'm going to give you is uh, the book that always makes sure that I keep on task whenever I need inspiration, whenever I need to remind myself what it is I'm doing with my life and why it is I'm doing what I'm doing. I listen to Kevin Smith's Tough Shit. It is the best inspirational book I can give you. It is the only thing I can give you. If you're, whether you're an artist, a creative, a non-creative, someone trying to drive themselves to, to create something out of nothing, uh, listen to Tough Shit by Kevin Smith. The other thing I give you, uh, because I, we're over in this kind of weird Hollywood trend thing, uh, is The Kid Stays in the Picture by Robert Evans, a very, very famous movie producer. Uh, if you ever want to hear, uh, for lack of, you know, I think, it, I think, um, was it uh, Pat Oswalt? Was it was it Pat Oswalt that said? It? I think it was the the memoirs of like Satan himself, uh, not quite that bad, uh, but something like that. It is insane. It is beautiful. It is also a very very crazy inspirational book. Um, as weird as that sounds, as as crazy as it sounds, are books I hold very true and dear to my heart that sort of push me in in a weird direction. And I don't know how to explain that without sounding like a madman. So there there I gave you two, two, two. Boom. I I love it, Roberto, because I'm actually a little envious of your picks because you sound super cool now. <laughs> <laughs> like those are really awesome picks. But um, okay, so you can pick one of our recommendations or any other book of your choice by going to www.audibletrial.com slash lawyer up and they have over 150,000 titles to choose from that you can access on your PC, your iPhone, Android, or Kindle device. So let's get back in. Uh, you know, Roberto, uh, we, we haven't, re- you've been talking about with us, and I think that you've kind of agreed with our top scenes in, in, in many ways, but is there anything in particular about this episode that stood out to you that we have not addressed yet? Well, that's what I'm trying to think, what we haven't addressed yet, because there's been so much we've addressed. Sure. Um, let's see, because I'm, I'm, I think for me, you know what, because I, I did like the scene as, as much as I liked it. Uh, I definitely enjoyed, and, and I realize I'm jumping the gun talking about this, but I've been wanting to talk about it anyways, the last scene that sort of there at the campsite and, and sort of him pulling that. I loved that scene because, you know, we all – everyone knows the Cartwrights are guilty in some capacity. Uh, but it hasn't been proven in the court of law, and, and no one quite know. You know, it hasn't been proven. So there's always that little bit of doubt and everything else. What I loved about that last scene was as he was pulling the bag, just just everything about that. I love. I always a huge fan of that, that sort of under. Un, I think it was a. I think it was a ground shot, if I'm not mistaken. I have to remember. It's been a while since I saw it, but just the money. You know, as they're ripping the bag, the money falling. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Yeah. Well, I love that scene because it's. It is the nail in the coffin because now we know that yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they did take the money, and and yes, they have been streaming people up, and now we now have uh you know our our good our good friend Jimmy who has to kind of make a moral choice, um because he's got to protect his client, but now that he knows that they have the money, then what happens? You know, so I like that. That's where the dilemma is going to go for next episode. Yeah, it's it's very. It was very uh, great for him to discover the the money that was missing, and it proves that they are guilty and and all that. But the real question, and I'm willing to hit the hard, the hidden questions here. Do you think it was a mistake for him to uh, confront them to to get the money? Because at, even, at first, not, oh, 
because at first he he did call he called Kim and said, "Hey, you know, get your butt down here. Uh, I'm gonna be a little late, but get down here because I got some I got some great stuff for you." Uh, yeah. Um. But then Maybe. he. Oh, yeah, you're right. And you were absolutely right about the phone, Roberto, because now I remember that he picks up his cell phone. And he's like, do you hear this? And they're they're singing B-I-N-G-O, B-I-N-G-O. Him pulling that out of, you know, just already making the move to, to be like, hey, I, I got him right here. Why didn't he just kind of just play watchdog instead of uh, trying to be the hero and uh, kind of confronting him? Because he wants to be the hero. He, and he, his life is in danger with Nacho and his people. That, a little bit of that, a little bit of yes, a little bit of, of column A, a little bit of column B. But he wants to be the hero. It, he didn't. He didn't want to get involved with Nacho in the first place. Oh, you're, Roberto. You're absolutely right because I don't know if it was this episode or a previous one where he said, "I'm not a hero." You know where he absolutely is trying to be a hero. Oh yeah, that's the that, and that's the thing is that he. Ultimately, in this episode, it's very proven that he did not want to be a part of this plan in any way, shape, or form. It was never his intention for Nacho to do that. Nacho came into his life uh, by weird circumstances, but, you know, came in his life nonetheless. It was never his intention for Nacho to go and say, let's rob these guys. You know, Nacho had made it very clear, you're already in the game, whether you like it or not. You just call me when you re- realize that. And you know Jimmy is desperately trying to make things right, trying his damnedest to make things right. He not he wants nothing more than to make things right. Whether or not these guys stole money or not didn't matter. He just doesn't want anyone killed. I mean, especially little kids for that, you know, for God's sakes. But what I like about it is that that's his character now. That's that's why we're not at Saul Goodman level. We're not there yet. He is still Jimmy. He's not, he's Jim McGill. He's not Saul Goodman. Yeah, Saul, the Saul Goodman we would know uh, afterwards, I don't think he would really care uh, no, what what Nacho want, had up his sleeves. It, it, it's very apparent, you know, in that in Breaking Bad, once we start talking about Breaking Bad, I'll, I'll go into that detail. Mm. Um, but Jimmy is not. Jimmy's still cares and still... Exactly. I agree. It it was a very uh, intense scene, and uh, it's it, visually just like you like you said, the money kind of pouring out uh, when they ripped the bag open. It was very uh, almost heartbreaking and be like, oh shit, you know this <laughs> things are about to pick up now. Uh, why don't we move on uh, to one of my things? Uh, I wanted to talk about just briefly Kim. Uh, she kind of got a little bit more of a a backstory this time around. The first two episodes, it was kind of, you know, she was in the first, and then second, I think she was in for, like, a brief thing. And even the first episode, she was in for very brief. And it's nice to kind of see people kind of be woven into the story. Uh, Kim now has a bigger role, and it's kind of revealed that they they have almost kind of a sexual tension type thing going on in between them just with that phone call of you know hey you're not going to do the sex robot voice are you and and you know jimmy are you drunk and it, it's very it's very evident that there is something more and i just kind of want to get a little feedback from you guys on what do you guys think is going on with kim and jimmy and their previous relationship and the in the firm that kim works at and everything but no, I'm really interested in seeing how this works out because, you know, there's a one there's one scene where Jimmy um is comes out of the interrogation room with Nacho and Kim is there and she's talking to him and she says, you know, tell us what does he know where the Kettlemans are? And she it's it, she there's a little there's a little bit of information given where she says you don't, you know, you you don't have to hide behind uh, attorney-client privilege because they're in danger. As if she has to, rem- she thinks, she knows him so well that maybe he's not such a great attorney. And then she doesn't believe that, or for a minute she thinks that he needs a little bit of coaching on that. Because any good attorney would definitely know that. That if someone's life is in danger, in immediate da- danger, they don't have to... F- hide behind Kleine attorney privilege. Even afterwards, uh, you know, he he kind of uh, breaks, the, you know, he brings down his wall and is like, okay, you know, I screwed up. Uh, 
you know, Nacho, the guy that you have, yeah, he's, he was going to do something, but he didn't do it. And, you know, it's a very – had a lot of faith and just being honest with Kim, who technically now are their rivals uh, just because he's – He's out of their law firm, and he's almost being the lawyer for his brother to to get either A, back into the law firm, or B, uh, get a severance package and his name removed. So they're almost enemies now, but they're still kind of uh, trading secrets, which is just an interesting dynamic to me, especially if they have that sexual tension, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know bring things up of sexual tension but you know it's it's nice to know uh that they still care for each other even though they're kind of on the opposite sides roberto any any other thoughts on uh on kim no i'll just say the same thing i mean i, I like that that character's there i hope um just from a a narrative standpoint that and again not because i have faith in the writers i doubt they will but again i always i always say this anyways no matter what project i'm writing or watching I hope that they don't abuse that and then and make that a part of a main focus because I really what I'm liking about the series is that it rides this line between comedy and drama. Not so much being a dramedy or whatever it's called, but sort of this varied line because when it gets serious, it gets real serious real quick. And when it gets funny, it gets really funny really quick. And I like that they ride that line in this sort of gray mushy area. That other shows wouldn't ride that line that that close, uh, as I hope Kim doesn't skew it one skew it specifically toward not not because I'm like comedy per se, but like I, like I said before, what I like about this so far is that it's keeping true to the Breaking Bad universe, and and I want to keep seeing that. That that's great, and and it really is. Uh, you know, it, it's either a comedy or a drama, and it's yeah, it's not. You know, you know. And you know when it's comedy, and you know when it's drama intense. Yes, very much so. And that's and that's something the writers do very, 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 very well. Uh, Roberto, any last thoughts on on uh, this episode on Nacho? On, on I keep thinking about it, and I think my last thought and my last top three is actually the character of Nacho. Um, I, I coming into the series when Tuco was was introduced. Uh, I'm usually a fan uh, of just your over-the-top crazy villains. Um, I usually love those. It's you know out of video games, out of movies, out of television shows. They're usually my favorite types. But if I had to say number three, I like Nacho as sort of this bad guy character um, because he's calm, cool, and collected. I think I see exactly where you're going because it it sort of compares with the craziness of Tuco. Yes, exactly. and I, I like this character. Knowing what ha- you know, and, and once we, you know, once we're beyond the fold of, of of we can talk about Breaking Bad, knowing what happens in Breaking Bad and stuff like that, like I said, I'm super excited to see how this character becomes whoever he'll be. But I can't remember if he is anybody. I don't think he's anybody in Breaking Bad, but nope. I, I still like the idea of having this like calm character and and it, this existing force. That is very much, you know, matter of fact. That 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 knows the game, plays the game, and and will, will do his own thing. And just knowing the other side of the coin, being Tuco, I'm wondering what's going to happen to his character. But I do enjoy Nacho as sort of our, maybe not introductory villain per se, because there's really no villains in, in in the world of of Better Call Saul. Much like there's wasn't any villains in really Breaking Bad. It makes me curious as to how they're going to use this character because, you know, knowing what's going to happen down the line for our, our, our main man, Jimmy, I wonder if this character is going to be part of that catalyst for that. Actually, at this point, let's just go ahead and call it. Uh, we, we were going to do a feedback section, but uh, there was that's a, uh, stuff we can cover next time. Let's go ahead and go straight into the Breaking Bad spoiling part. So if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, just it doesn't matter. This is a prequel. But you you know, you may want to tune out here. Um and uh b- before we do, Roberto, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, that's very simple. You can find me at Vincent404 there on the Twitters. And you do what you do a great uh you have a whole network. It's with a ton of 
I, I do plenty of things. If you want to catch any of the other content I do, head on over to CosmicRadio.tv. And uh, that's the best place to look up anything else I do. Uh, moving on, you mentioned, okay, so the Nacho villain, uh, or or is he a villain? Do you think he's going to become the sort of thing that was, you know, consistent in Breaking Bad? Where we had Gus, we had, we did have Tuco for a while. We had, uh, you know, there, every every season sort of specialized on a certain you know, group that, that, but, but then we find out that it was Walter White who's really the villain. But was he? Because we loved him. Is, is that what Saul's going to become, Roberto? Absolutely. That's what Saul's going to become. I think it's very apparent that he's going to become that because the opening episode one, episode one, all in black and white, very stark, very well shot, probably the best thing I've seen on television in a long time. Uh, and that includes Breaking Bad. There's some scenes in Breaking Bad that I loved how they were shot, especially near the end. Uh, but that opening sequence is just riveting and like stark and, and everything and just put it all there in quite literally black and white. And it's very apparent that at that point, you know, in, in our character Saul's life, in, in Jimmy McGill's life, as he's been extradited and is looking constantly over his shoulder for anybody who could potentially be a threat. And all he does is put, you know, all he, he knows at that point, he has so much regret, so much. That's why he puts the tape in to the sort of that this is like when, when he would he turn this all because he knew that that's where things went wrong. And he's sort of going back in time trying to I figure s- out well, where is the moment that I flipped. Mm, I saw that as, as him like being such a shell of a man after that. And, 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 Oh no! I don't. I, I don't. I, no, I think you're absolutely right because I saw that that was the highlight of Jimmy Saul or J, uh, Saul Goodman. Jimmy Saul. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Saul, that's, you know, that's like that Saul story ends, and it's more of because obviously we know he's going to become Saul. For those who've watched Breaking Bad, right? Uh, we we know it's going to happen. We know who he's going to become. And you can't watch the current show without what. I mean, everybody knows. I right. yeah. We know but, what's yeah. going to happen to this character. We just don't know when that moment is right. when he becomes this because that's why they open up with the VHS tape putting in, you know, from watching the, the, the Better Call Saul ads is because he is trying at that moment, you know, we're, if, if we were to take the series as a, all whole as a sort of giant flashback sequence, he is trying his damnedest to figure out where did things go wrong? How is it that I got into the situation that I am in today? What fuck up did I do? to get here and that's essentially what what better call saul is going to be is going to be how he gets from mild-mannered lawyer jimmy mcgill to law you know money launderer dealing with you know blue meth crazy guys saul goodman yep exactly uh and i i maybe i should have brought this up in the main topic stuff but do you think because right now he's not saul goodman and the show is titled Better Call Saul. Do you think maybe there should have been a better title to uh, to use instead of Better Call Saul? I don't know what title you would have called it because I think that that's. I mean, it, it's obvious. It's very apparent, you know, that yes, they're writing on on a, co- on a little. I mean, they have to call it something that's like Breaking Bad. Else, what the hell does it have that connection to? But I think that by calling it Better Call Saul. It really puts in their minds that this is what's going to happen, that, that, that we're going to get there. Again, I'm curious that, – that's, that's the person I want to meet already you know, because I, I enjoyed the character of Saul Goodman. I enjoyed the character of this, this guy that you know, is, is, a, is a, you know, one of those TV lawyers that's just shysty and, 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 and will do anything and doesn't care whether he's honest or not. And, and you know, he's, he's a scumbag. He's sleazy. He's, he's all these things. You know, in in Breaking Bad, at points he he tells Walter, you know, you may have to take care of, um, you know, Jesse Pinkman in a way that you wouldn't think of taking care of him. You know, you you might have to shoot the guy. And taking that character Saul Goodman and flashing him back, you know, a couple years back to two, I think it's two thousand two. Um, well, it two thousand two was when he was uh, Jimmy McGill's sex offender, and then around uh, two thousand four. Uh, yeah. When this is taking place, right? Because the only the only reason I even based it on was the check that he got for the first case. I think yep. it was like 
You know, that was my 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 date indicator because that was the one thing I wasn't certain about episode one, what date we're in. Um, I heard 2005, but yeah, go ahead. It's okay. Sometime in the past. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometime before we became Saul Goodman, um, we flash back to this character, and he he is this you know struggling lawyer that has an image of what a lawyer should sound like and and kind of be like, and it's very apparent that that is where Saul Goodman gets his influence from and sort of what he becomes. But he still has some good in him, for lack of better words, and I, I, I want to believe that Nacho, just because of who the hell he hangs out with, I mean, when I saw Tuco come back in, I was like, yes, finally, we're going to have some crazy stuff, and it gets to episode two, where he's like, oh, you know, like, like, like make sure the, the punishment uh, you know, fits the crime. I'll give him a Colombian necktie and all this, you know, all these kind of crazy, insane stuff that I'm just like, this is the Tuco I love and the character that is insane in that. But I don't think that's going to be the one that's going to convince him because he's he's always, he's scared. But you have someone like Nacho who is this calm, cool, collected character that who's, that's who's almost like Tuco's caretaker of just like, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I can talk him down from the ledge. Uh, yeah. I can swerve him anyway. Uh, do you really want to test with me? You know, do you really want to fuck exactly, with me? Exactly. But two. He is also, uh, you know, he's also tempting him with the thing that 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 Jimmy wants because of of what it means to him. He, you know, at the end of the day, Jimmy needs money. At the end of the day, Jimmy needs some cash. Either either A to survive, B to move on, to move into office, do all the things he needs to do. And Nacho here is offering a, a very illegal way of getting the money, but I can see. That that influencing him to become Saul to be the this I gotta say shiesty lawyer this this sort of sleazy guy I mean he's already showed signs of it for sure with the whole slipping Jimmy thing and trying to pull the case off, you know off on this uh, you know the the the, uh, the grandmother the abuelita of of uh, of Tuco and mm. you know that going south really quickly really fast because it's Tuco and I love that um, but. I am out of all the things of the show and and why it is that I can I'm continue to watch it because if the hook was seeing Tuco come back that was sort of what kept me going for the episode the thing that's the thread that's keep me going and keep me interested in the show is to see at what point does he have his Breaking Bad moment because like with Walter White um, that moment happened when Walter White was cured of cancer when he was in remission and when he still said do you want to still cook Jesse. That was the moment that the 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 the, the switch was flipped for Walter White. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious as to what that moment's going to be for Saul Goodman. And no, uh, it'll be a very interesting ride to uh, to get uh, right to it. So uh, before we sign off, we do want to, even though we didn't get to your feedback this week, we do want to mention we do have a a multitude of ways you guys can get a hold of us. Uh, first is our voicemail, 505-750-1764 is the best way to get a hold of us via telephone. We won't answer, neither will Jimmy McGill, but you can leave a voicemail and leave your thoughts on episodes uh, of what we did and episodes of Better Call Saul as well. You can also tweet us at Lawyer Up Podcast. It's all one word. And just like the internet intends it to be, as well as lawyeruppodcast at gmail.com. Those three ways you can get a hold of us. And also, you can get a hold of us at lawyeruppodcast.com and leave comments under our episodes that we put out. And we also we also try and put out news articles uh, relating to Better Call Saul as well. And I am trying to do a kind of a weekly feature of write-ups, of uh, just kind of evaluating each episode and comparing them to Breaking Bad. And it's only content for the website, So, and, and that's the best thing for all of us. So before we sign off, uh, Jackie, where can people find you on the Internet? Well, they can find me at JackieHearn.com. Uh, you know, I'm doing a – I just launched a new podcast today called Nighty Night, uh, so you can find that on iTunes and download that. If you suffer from insomnia – or if you just want something to help you put you to sleep and the Jeff Bridges thing doesn't work for you, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go into detail on that, on that podcast, but uh, you can do that. But I would, I would point out that, um, my good pal, Roberto Viegas, uh, he was so gracious to join us today. Uh, I do a podcast with him on the British Tech Network. So you can go to britishtechnetwork.com 
and search for House of Cards. So if you watch House of Cards, it's coming up soon. The new series is starting. Roberto and I, uh, Charlotte A. Henry, uh, who's a former deputy um, undersecretary, I believe, and she's a political journalist. Uh, she joins us as well, but uh, you can do that. But Roberto, I've been hearing so many great things. What are you up to lately? Don't just tell us where we can find you. What What are you up to? Well, you know what? There's something I did launch recently uh, that I haven't really talked about much, and I might as well talk about it here. Um, Do it! So, <laughs> ultimately, you know, a lot of my podcasts are supported by Patreon and everything else, and I realize some people don't quite like paying for nothing. You know, don't like getting anything for nothing. Uh, they enjoy, you know, giving money and getting something in return. Uh, I recently signed up actually with a service called uh, Fiverr. Uh, it's sort of this, you know, give five bucks, do a service kind of thing. Uh, and I kind of yes. had a gig up there. If you look up my name, fiverr.com slash Roberto Villegas, all one word, because this is the internet. It's all one word. I think that's what you said, Rick, right? That was your, that was your words. Correct. Okay. It's, it's a new internet thing. Uh, I'm new still getting it. All, all, all one word, no, no spaces, none of that bullshit. No, even though Fiverr does it, you know, anyways, forget it. Uh, so yeah, go to Fiverr, which is F-I-V-E-R-R.com slash Roberto. I think it's slash Roberto Villegas. Yep. And uh, I have only one gig up there. It's for five bucks. I will narrate up to 125 words in my normal voice. If you've heard me in a podcast, if you've heard me here, you kind of like how I sound. Maybe the voice seems exactly what it is that you want to hear in your copy reading and all that fun jazz. Head on over there and submit away because I'm for hire in terms of that. So I guess I guess that means that I'm voice up. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I had a thread. The thread disappeared. So, yeah. Uh, so it's Fiverr, the Fiverr yep. website. I, I've actually looked into that quite a lot myself. Fiverr slash Roberto Villegas, correct? Correct. So it's F-I-V-E-R-R dot com slash Roberto Villegas. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-O-V-I-L-L-E-G-A-S. Okay. And we, we will definitely have that on our website in our show notes um, for them to reach you. But come on. You've got a whole network. And you mentioned it earlier. If, if you want to, if you need to hear Don't, more of my damn voice. No, uh, we no. Come on, it's Cosmic Radio TV. What what kind of shows do you have? Because oh, you know, the, I think our I, I think our listening audience would be interested because you do a show on where where you and I think it's um Brent Hughes. You mm-hmm. uh you analyze movies and other things of yes, uh, yes. current and post pop culture. They, Tell me about it. They did an episode. They basically did a commentary on uh, Wacky Deli. Uh, yes. From uh, Rockers Rock Bottom Line. That's probably one of my favorite uh, episodes they've done. And <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, well, one it uh, for me. I I don't have a lot of time in my hands, but uh, when when you guys put out a half hour uh, kind of a little talk session about uh, Wacky Deli. Uh, which is one of the best Rocco's Modern Life episodes. Uh, one of the best things of animation ever made, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> things, things like that is where you can find uh, what Roberto Villegas is doing. And allegedly, uh, rumor has it that on a show called 8-Bit Life, uh, the person that was on last week may be on that show in the near future. Yeah, we're working on scheduling some people and stuff like that. We're supposed to record today, but we had a whole, uh, a whole mess of, of problems. But... Uh, you can catch anything I do there. I do, of course, what the show you're mentioning, talking about is cinematography that I do with Mr. Brent Hughes. Uh, our latest episode, it was actually a discussion of the Oscar-nominated, as of this point, uh, film Birdman, or the, oh, God, the, the what was it, the Something of Ignorance. I'm supposed to be the damn subtitle for that movie. I want to be on. Yeah, Birdman. It, uh, I don't know the full title, but okay, I'm, it's Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. We do it. We uh, literally watched it. Um, oh, yeah, I before told we did that. of it. And I love Birdman. Uh, if you're definitely a fan of of sort of creativity and stuff like that, catch out the discussion. Make sure you watch the film first because we do go into spoiler written territory, and it's mm. sort of our, our 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 mo. We don't we don't really hold back things. It's not really technically a review. It's more of a. a I watch Birdman to kind of wake me up in the morning and get me going. Can I, just I, I, I I watch that. For, I, I love that film. It's such a beautiful film. I have you know, I know I have a friend of mine who, on Facebook who really didn't like the film, and it's it's always what? hard. It's a long story. I won't go into that detail. Like that. All right. No, that's good. If you want to catch any of the stuff, if for some reason that website's too complex for you, head over to youtube.com slash cosmicradiotv. All one word like the Rick Foster says it needs to be. 
the late okay, great. So cosmicradio.tv so they can get it from the main website or from your the YouTube, YouTube as well. YouTube from anywhere in there at, at Cosmic Radio TV again on Twitter, you know, because it's all one word like the great Rick Foster says it should be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to pressure you into doing all to okay. talking okay. about that, but but you do sure. so much I, stuff that we all love. All one word, like the great Rick Foster says it should be. That's 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 my real <laughs> real motivation right now is to keep saying all one word, like the great Rick Foster should be. Just I all hope right. That no. in everything you do. <laughs> so um, and you can find me at Rick Foster and uh, Rick Foster. Oh, wait, wait, hold, Rick, Rick, is that all one word, like 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 it should be? <laughs> yes, correct. All right, so finally, we're going to close it out, but quickly, um, I'm going to be thanking these people for, uh, these two individuals for quite a while. Uh, I would like to uh, uh, thank Seb Gon, uh, Sebastian Gonzalez, who created our awesome album art, um, lawyer, our Lawyer Up album art that you see on our iTunes. If you want an awesome album art for your iTunes, go hit him up at Seb Gons, it's S-E-B-G-O-N-Z. Uh, on Twitter, and you can commission him to do amazing stuff. And he was so quick. He had it within hours. Not only that, Johnny Feisty, uh, that's at J-O-H-N-N-Y-F-I-E-S-T-Y, Johnny Feisty, he created our music. I sent him clips of what I thought was going to be the Better Call Saul music, and that's our intro and outro music. So thank you so much, Johnny Feisty and uh, Sebastian Gonzalez. Uh, all right, until next week, while you're up. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>